0: following is a presentation of Cornerstone Bible Church in Virginia Beach. For more information on Cornerstone, as well as additional sermon downloads, please visit cbcvirginia.com. Let me again just say thank you to all of you for joining us today. We are honored to have you with us. We have walked this journey together through the final days of Jesus' time here on earth. For this time, right? Because he's going to have days on earth again here at some point, but I hope you've been reminded through this of the importance and the significance of both his death and his resurrection for us throughout our time together, both on Friday evening and now here on Sunday we have been quoting and referencing over and over again this passage here in psalm one eighteen in verses twenty two and twenty three it's it's a passage that Jesus himself quoted about himself during his Final week of life here on earth and the passage reads like this if you're there look at verse 22 the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone this is the lord's doing it is marvelous in our eyes you know, as we've walked with jesus and those who are with him over the last uh you know two days three days here and we've seen all that they've done we've seen this prophecy be fulfilled before our very eyes that Jesus the stone was indeed rejected by the builders, by the leaders, the political religious leaders of his day. They rejected him as a fraud and a liar. They they heard his claim that he was the Christ, that he was the son of God, and they they denied all of that, something that we're going to see here very soon in Mark chapter 3 anyway, in just our normal time together. That They saw him really as being nothing more than a threat to their power and position, and so they they murdered him by crucifying him there on, on Golgotha. And from every human perspective, right, from theirs, from the disciples' perspective, from the, the women around the cross, the women who went to the tomb, from every human perspective, it appeared that the story was over. The stone is rejected, and he has now been left discarded and abandoned there in the tomb. But, but of course, the story wasn't over because three days later, Jesus rose in triumph. He rose in victory over sin and death, and in so doing, he became this cornerstone that the psalmist talks about here. He becomes the cornerstone of our faith, and the cornerstone of our salvation, the cornerstone of our hope, and the cornerstone of our life. And this was the Lord's doing, because who can bring people back from the dead apart from God? This is the Lord's doing. It had been his plan from eternity past for his son to come and die for our sins, and to rise again the third day. He had spoken of this throughout the Scriptures. The prophets of old, all of them have been pointing ahead to this moment, and now finally, when the fullness of time had come, God had finally fulfilled his promises. And it is indeed marvelous in our eyes. We say it with the psalmist. It's marvelous because, as Chris noted a moment ago, it's the truth of the cross and the empty tomb that has the power to overcome doubt and failure in us and to enable us by the Spirit's power, those of us who have failed in sin and unbelief, to be restored to a right relationship with God. This is the true glory and hope of Easter. And the fact of the matter is that most people today, and I, I don't say this in any way to, to be negative to other people, to make fun of them, or, or to... I think you'll know my heart. The sad reality is that most other people this morning who are sitting in in a room similar to this don't really fully understand that. Because at worst, for them, Easter is about baskets and bunnies and eggs and candy. Or at best, it's about the fact that God loves us and that we have hope for eternal life. And look, I I don't have an issue with bunnies and baskets and eggs and candy. I'm hoping to enjoy some of that later today myself, okay? Okay. Nor would I ever deny that God loves us and that he has, in fact, given us hope of eternal life. I just simply want to remind us this morning that apart from the reality of sin and what that sin had done to us and what that sin had caused between us and God, this rift, this chasm, this this uncrossable gap, apart from that understanding, you really can't have a right, right understanding of Easter. It's just not possible. You see, the gospel we believe in is predicated on the reality that all of us, all of us in here are completely unworthy of God's love and offer of new life. There's nothing in us that would make him want to love us. The gospel we proclaim is predicated on the fact that all of us have sinned against a holy, righteous God and are therefore justly Justly under his wrath, he's not. He, his wrath wasn't on us in an unjust way, as if we didn't deserve it. No, we're affirming we deserve it. The gospel we sing about is predicated on the truth that on our own we have no possible way of reconciling ourselves to God, and are therefore truly, totally, and utterly dead and lost, hopeless and helpless, both in this world and in the world to come. You see, it's these truths, these realities, these facts that are the very reason that Jesus came in the first place. It explains both Christmas and Easter, if you weren't aware of that. They're the very reason Jesus came in the first place. He didn't come just to be a good example for us or to be a a good moral teacher, a a good ethical teacher that we could emulate. No, no, no. You see, that's wrong completely. Ravi Zacharias, who's one of my all-time favorite preachers, he says this, the biggest difference between Jesus Christ and ethical or moral teachers who have been deified by man is that these moralists came to make bad people good Jesus came to make dead people live. And there is a world of difference in these things. World of difference between trying to make a bad person into a good person or someone who's had a lot of mistakes or just maybe done some things they shouldn't have to try to help them live better and taking a person who is dead and bringing them back to life again. If you see yourself in this category, then the reality is, Easter has no real value for you. There's no significance in it for you. I'm just here today to tell you that Jesus didn't die because you've made a few mistakes. Jesus died to pay for our sins because we couldn't. Jesus died because apart from his sacrificial death for us, we had no hope because we were dead and understanding, Zacharias, he says it this way, he goes, man is not just unethical. He is lost and dead. And if man is only as a result of that lost in guilt, if it's just that he feels bad for his mistakes and his errors and his his misdoings, if that's all he is, then the gospel is bad news for him. Because when you hear that Jesus died for your mistakes, it should make you feel more guilty, not less. But, if man is lost in sin, then it is our great privilege to tell him that we have a Savior. Because Jesus died for our sins and no longer has power over us. And because he rose from the dead, we don't live in fear of the grave anymore. And for those of us who have placed all of our hope and faith and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone, having no hope or trust in anyone or anything else... We have a confidence that should make us rejoice this morning. That that we have been forgiven of all of our sins. All of them. And God now looks on us, not in wrath, not with with displeasure, but he looks on us as sons and daughters because of what Christ has done for us. And our, our future isn't one that's uncertain. Our future isn't one of fear. Our future is that of eternal life. Folks, if that doesn't make you rejoice this morning, I don't know what will. If that doesn't make you want to lift your hands and thank God and praise God for the grace and mercy and love that's been shown to us, then you're, you're just, you need to go home and go back to bed. Or maybe we should have had the coffee bar open at, at 8.30, huh? Some, I mean, you should be excited about that. You know what else? Not only have we been restored to God, but we've also been sent then on a mission to proclaim this message of reconciliation to others as well. Right here, after Jesus has spent those 40 days appearing to his disciples, he appears to them one last time, and the gospel writers record it like this. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But, but some doubted. Still, at this point, some are doubting. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Then he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And here you see one of the last things he said to his disciples was, Go. Go. Don't just stay in Jerusalem. Go. Don't just stay in Judea. Go. Don't just stay in Israel. Go. Go and proclaim me. Baptize in my name. Teach them everything I've taught you. Teach them all about me. Go and make more disciples of all the nations. He is he about to ascend to heaven, to go sit at the Father's right hand, and he has left us then to go, to proclaim that message as missionaries to all the people around us, teaching the truth of the cross and the empty tomb so that others can experience the same restoration and forgiveness that God offers in the gospel. Jesus came and died for us. Now he expects us to go and live for him. The stone that the builders rejected? Has become the cornerstone. Jesus, because of all the things we've seen Friday night and this morning, is the foundation of our hope, of our salvation, of our faith, of our life. This is the Lord's doing, and we gather together today to affirm and celebrate and remember that because it is marvelous in our eyes. May you bow your heads with me in prayer. Jesus, we affirm this morning corporately that you did not come because we had made a few mistakes. That Easter isn't about trying to take bad people and turn them into good people. It's just show them the way to live. No, Easter happened because we were lost and we were dead in our sins. We had no hope. None. None. Without you, we would be still under God's wrath and judgment, and justly so. But on the cross, a spiritual transaction took place. And God took our sins and placed them on you and then poured out all of His anger and wrath on you, His own Son, so that you could bear all of that for us. You became the curse for us. As you hung on that tree and in dying that day, you paid for all those sins. And so we stand here today, Lord, those of us who have known come to know you, have placed our faith in you. We stand here today forgiven as those who have been brought from death to life. Those who have been told to wake up and come out of the grave. We, too, now live in you. And if there are those here today, Lord, who don't know you as their Savior, who are still living in death, blinded to their true condition, please, Father, please, by your Spirit and by your Word, open their eyes to see that they desperately need a Savior, and you are that Savior. And so, Father, we worship you for your eternal plan to send your Son Jesus, we worship you this morning for coming to die and to rise again for us. You have become the cornerstone and the foundation of everything we have. Our hope, our life. Lord, help us to go out then and live for you. Jesus, thank you for the cross. But thank you even more for the empty tomb. We love you this morning in your name. Amen.